When I was in ninth grade, I was in the marching band. I was also on the football team, but in ninth grade, you weren't on varsity, so you had the opportunity to be a part of the halftime shows. And there I was at band camp, and we were working on a certain routine. And this routine had us crisscrossing throughout the field. And I remember our band director gave us one rule, and that rule was, no matter what, don't stop. I'm a rule follower, so I made sure no matter what, don't stop. That played in my mind. I was one of the bass drummers. I had the big old bass drum. I was playing it. And there we were going through the crisscrosses. And right in front of me was a freshman girl. She was pretty petite, a flute player. And then all of a sudden she just stopped in her track. She looked to the left and she saw me and her eye just got wide open. And I was just playing, go, move, keep walking, don't stop. But she wouldn't move. And my role, my, what we were told was don't stop. And I went right through her. I knocked her to the ground. I did not stop. And all of a sudden, you know, that created just this whole big chaos as everybody started falling down and, and everybody stopped. Our band director on the, her big ladder, she looked around what was going on. She all of a sudden, I heard, Balbach, this isn't the football field. You're not supposed to knock people over. I thought we weren't supposed to stop. But you know, so often in life, we do that. There's an order to our world that, of how God created it. And then when we go our way out of God's order, turmoil is created. Chaos abounds. You know, last week we talked about death and what happens when we die and how we were created in God's image, which means we have an eternal soul. If you missed that message, I highly encourage you to go to our YouTube page and check it out because both these messages really go back to back with each other because we have this eternal soul and that is why morality is so important. We, were, we are different than all other creation. Our morality is intimately connected with our eternal soul. And today's question that we're going to be dealing with is, do all good people go to heaven? I mean, God's a God of love, right? And so if he's a God of love, then why even bother with hell? I mean, why even deal with that? I mean, if he really is loving, then we should all just go to heaven, right? You know, but here's the thing. I think we really struggle with this question because we struggle with identifying what really is good. And to be honest, I don't think we can truly answer this question without identifying what we mean when we say good people. I mean, that's crucial to this question. And I bet if it's safe to assume we're all on different playing fields. If I went around the room and asked every one of you, what do you mean by good people? I'd get over a hundred different responses. Why? Because we all have predetermined in our minds what we feel good means. And I think we have to come to a, a, an idea and a reality of what does it mean to be good. So we need to ask ourselves, how do we define good. Because we can never answer the question, do all good people go to heaven, if we're all across the board on what it means to actually be good. And here's the problem. We all have different standards. In our world today, we have all developed different standards of what is good, what is right and wrong. 
you know, at my, my home, when it, gets, when it gets to nighttime and my wife and I find our way to the couch to turn on the TV, the things we really enjoy watching are like Dateline, 2020, you know, murder mysteries. We're weird. Or back in the day, there was a show called How to Catch a Predator. You know, we enjoyed those shows. And I think so often what happens in our life and in our world, why we struggle so hard with determining what is good, is because we watch shows like that, we read stories like that of people in extreme situations, and we say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not showing up at some kid's house. I didn't go do that to my spouse. And then before you know it, you, you fall in prey to one of the devil's biggest tricks, and that is the comparison trap. Well, I'm, I'm good. Why? Because I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not doing that stuff. So I'm not really that bad. And then before you know it, we take these subtle steps towards a, a new reality of what is good. And we define it by, I'm not as bad. And that means I'm good. But what really is good? And then you know what really then begins to escalate the problem? What has happened in our society and all throughout the world is we escalated by then saying, you know what? There's really no moral standard. There is no real absolute truth. Each person determines what is their truth, what is their moral standard. So based upon what they feel is good, they can predetermine what is right and wrong for their life, for their path. And before you know, we all are on different playing fields of what is good. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that what happened in Nazi Germany in the 30s and 40s was good or bad? I think across the board, we all say, well, that was bad. That was wrong. But you know what? In that society, in that time frame, the society believed what they were doing was good and was right. So that make it right for them. And so often we'll say, no, that was wrong. But if there's no absolute truth, if there's no real moral standards, if each person can predetermine what is right and wrong for them, who is the judge to say what they were doing was wrong in the first place? And before you know it, we get in this whirlwind that we really can't explain, that we can't really predetermine. At some point, we get to questions that if we go down this path, we just can't answer. And then people will go to the next step and say, well, there's some things that are definitely right and wrong. There's some things that are certain standard. But then who determines those absolute standards? Who determines what are absolute moral standards and what are not absolute moral standards? How do we define those things? How do we know what is right or wrong based upon so often what we feel? And so often we determine that based upon what we feel is good. And we go back to the comparison game. Well, I'm not as bad as that person. I didn't do those things. I'm not like that. And before we know it, we determine what is good based upon I'm not as bad as. And is that really good? Is that really good? And why the partial truth? Why the partial moral standards? How can we say some things are absolutely true, but others are not? You know, at some point, we have to get to the reality of things that there is a standard. You see, if there's no absolute truth, then who can really make that statement? Because by that statement, you've just made an absolutely true statement. And you're contradicting yourself. And all this does, when we fall down this, when we follow this path, when we go down this journey, is we create a world in turmoil. 
a world in chaos. Why? Because then we determine what is good for me, what I want to do, and that's fine with me. And we go down that path, and then we just create turmoil and chaos in this world. You see, my friends, we need to understand void of moral standards equals priceless, I'm sorry, peaceless turmoil. When there is a void of moral standards, there is peaceless turmoil. And turmoil, all it does is, is it festers in our heart and it grows and then it festers in the world. And when there is no standard and people can determine for themselves what is right and wrong, all it does is create chaos. You don't believe me? Just turn on the news. Just turn on the news and you see it happening right in front of our very eyes. God's word is true. Jesus predicted this over 2,000 years ago, my friends. And we're living it. We're living it right now. You know, people will say, well, you know, what I do doesn't really affect anybody else. I can just do what I want. It's my life. It doesn't affect anybody else. But this is a complete lie. Every choice we make has consequences attached to it, good and bad, that, that are passed upon not just with us, but to other people. You know, in physics, Newton had a third law of motion. Do you guys know what it was? All you smart physics people? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And what that statement means is that in every interaction, there's a pair of forces acting on the two interacting objects. And the size of the forces on the first object equals the size of the force on the second object. And can I just tell you something? This scientific reality is also true with morality. It is. Our choices, our actions are the motions of our heart. You see, Jesus said that what is in your heart comes out of your life. He said that in the Gospels, out of your words. And so what you do, the words you use, is a reflection of your heart. Your actions, your words are the motion of what is within your heart. And what is inside ultimately comes out. And every action we make, there are definite consequences. And just like with Isaac, with, with Newton's law of motion, there are two forces at work. There's the, there's, the, there's the spiritual force of good, and that is God. And there's a spiritual force of the devil that is working for, to fight for your heart, for your soul, and your, your mind. You don't believe me? Just read Ephesians 6. Paul talks about it there. Jesus talks about it in the Gospels. He reveals it in Revelation. There is a battle for your soul. There are two forces going on. Jesus said, or God revealed to us that his invisible, his visible qualities of creation that we talked about last week reveal his invisible qualities of who he is and what he's all about. You know, some of the most common questions that we get when we ask, if you could ask God one question, and what came out with our questions on the streets were questions like, why is there suffering? Why is there so much violence and hate these days? Why can't we just have peace? You know why? Because suffering, violence, hatred, and lack of peace are all consequences of a moral standard void. It's like a vacuum that's just pulling it all out. Jesus predicted these things. He said this will happen. This will happen. 
consequences of people doing what they desire rather than what is right is creating turmoil in our hearts and turmoil in our world. It all comes back to the reality of God's standard of moral truth. The more we in the world pull away from Jesus and towards what we feel is right, the more turmoil develops. And that develops suffering, hate, pain, violence, and just a world of hurt. This is because the more we focus on what we feel is good, what we feel is right, we become a me-minded society. We become a me-minded people. And our truth is based upon what makes me feel good and what makes me feel happy. You know, I, I, I can go to a burger joint and can I tell you something, that burger and those fries and that Coke, I mean, they look appealing to the eye. They look really good. And I would love to have that burger, fries, and the Coke. But you know what? Long term, that has some negative effects on my body. I might enjoy it for a moment. It might not be that bad for one meal. But then what happens is you create a, cra- a craving for it an addiction for it. And before you know it, you consume it over and over again. You act out on those cravings and then it it destroys your health. And likewise, we see this in the world with lifestyles, with actions, with choices that we commit to. They seem appealing. They seem good. We start wanting it. We start acting out on it. We start to indulge in it. And then what, what, what what we want becomes our truth. Not because it is truth, but because we created our own reality. Opposite of the reality of what God has for us. And it may not be bad that one time you acted out on it, but then you start to indulge in it. You start to make it more of a habit. And then before you know it, it consumes you. And down the road, you start to see the consequences of it. And through all this, we become so self-focused, recreating truth to match what we want, redetermining standards of good to say, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not like that person. And it all goes back to how we define good, and we define it so often based upon the comparison game. I'm not as bad as. You know, one of the great movie trilogy, well, it's more than a trilogy now, but Star Wars. Yoda once said how fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to, let me do my Yoda voice, suffering. Like that? So all you guys who just fell asleep, you now you can wake up and laugh at me. You know, so often we focus on ourselves. You know what happens? It slowly but and subtly, fear develops within us. Why? Because then we start to see ourselves compared to other people. And we don't feel we add up or we get fearful and angry because, well, this person's telling me wrong or this person's not going the way I want them to go and, and this person dis- disagrees with my, with my choices and all we do is we develop this fear that leads to anger, that leads to hate and before you know it, it leads to turmoil and suffering and I feel that in so many ways this movie quote has become a reality in our world. 
It's turned our world upside down and created turmoil and chaos. And let's just be real with ourselves. We all have blood on our hands. Every one of us, myself included, we all have blood on our hands. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. In other words, in him is where your peace is found. When we rely on him, when we surrender to him, when we follow him, there we find peace. But the more we follow our heart, our truth, then the more we experience turmoil and chaos. Can I be honest with you? So often when you have a lack of peace in your heart, is often because you're not connected to the prince of peace that can provide it for you. And he desperately wants to give it to you. And as I said, we all have blood on our hands. We are all guilty. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this in in Romans 3, verses 10 through 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You know, being created in God's image, God gave us a seal that sets us apart from all other creation, that gives us the ability to know what is right and what is wrong. And that seal is the Spirit of God working in us that we know as our conscience. You know, the, con- the word conscience comes from a Latin word that you break it down. Con means with, and science means knowledge. And you put that together, and what that means is with knowledge. So what our conscience is, it's the knowledge of knowing right from wrong. And God gave that to us, separate from all of the creation so we understand, so that we have that nudging in our heart, what is the right choice and what is the wrong choice. My friends, you need to understand our conscience is the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. But so often what happens is the Bible describes is we become so focused on what we want, we tune out the Holy Spirit and then we begin to hear it less and less and less. Any of you guys have kids at home, teenagers with those phones? I mean, how many times are you like, yo, dude, what's up? And they just ignore you. They're so focused here. And they're tuning you out. And that's what we do to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says don't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? We begin to tune out the Holy Spirit and we don't listen to the Spirit anymore. We don't listen to our conscience anymore and we just do what we want. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Missing out on what is right or wrong. Ignoring the moral compass that God created within us. But we all have blood on our hands. We're all guilty. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. I'm not trying to knock any of you down. To be honest, I'm knocking myself down in this moment because we've all messed up. We've all fallen short. We all are guilty. We all deserve death. We all deserve it. So with all that being said, can I just try to speak into your conscience for just a moment? Can I just try to speak into the spirit of God working in your life? You don't have to answer this out loud. You don't have to raise your hands. But I'm asking you to be honest with yourself right now in your own heart. Do you think God is happy or mad with you? Have you ever asked this question for yourself? Do you think God is happy 
are mad at you? You know, would you say that you're a good person? Would you say, yeah, I'm a good person? So based upon that idea, because I think ultimately a lot of us will say, yeah, I'm a good person. You know, I think I'm not that bad. I don't think I'm as bad as that person down the street or who I saw on 2020 last night. I'm not that bad. So let, let, me, let me break it down with God's standard of moral truth. I, widely across the board, everybody would kind of say the Ten Commandments are a standard of moral reality, of moral truth. So based upon that, let me just ask you a few questions, okay? One of the, one of the Ten Commandments is do not lie. So would you say you've ever lied? I think a lot of us would say probably at least once or twice, maybe a dozen times, right? So what do you call a person who lies? A liar, right? So based upon our own admission, if you're being honest with yourselves, those who answered yes, then we would call ourselves a liar. You know, the Bible says in the Ten Commandments to do not commit adultery. And then Jesus took that a step further in the Sermon on the Mount. He says anybody who looks at another person lustfully commits adultery within their own heart. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at a person with lust? So those who have said yes, by your own omission, you're an adulterer. Take that step further. You're a liar and adulterer. Have you used God's name in vain? Have you ever in a text used OMG? You know, there you go. So now, based upon that, those of you who said yes, we're admitting that we're a liar, adulterer, and we use God's name in vain. God's holy, holy name above all other names. That's just three of the Ten Commandments. That's just three. So based on those three commandments, how did you do? How did you rate yourself? I think if we're all honest, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you too, we've broken at least one, probably multiple of those, those, those three, right? We've all messed up. We're all guilty. So based upon those answers, now how would you answer that question? Are you innocent or guilty? And I bet it's safe to assume, because I've heard it before, some of us are going back, well, okay, I said a little white lie once before, but I'm not that bad. I'm still a good person. You know, I'm not that bad. And so let's just say you're in a court of law, and you you just broke a law, and you're standing before the judge down in the Allegheny County Courthouse. And you tell the judge on your defense, listen, I know I broke that little law, but overall, I'm a pretty good person, judge. I mean, I, 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 go, I, I go to the food bank. I, I help people at Light of Life. I, I do all these good things in my life. I try to help people. I'm a good person. So, so really, I'm not that bad, judge. But you see, the judge is not going to judge you based upon your good things that you've done. But he's going to judge you based upon the law. And based upon the law, you are guilty. And God, the Bible describes, is a good judge, is a good judge. And the Bible teaches us just breaking one law, we are all guilty. We all deserve death. You know, I'm not judging you, but we're doing this based upon our own admission. The truth is, we are all guilty. I deserve death. I deserve hell. Why? Because I broke his law. And Jesus said in Mark 10 that there is no one good but God. 
And the Bible says that we've all sinned. It's written in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other, in other words, wages, what you earn, your actions, what you feel is good, living life your way, what we earn based upon that is death. We talked about death last week, and if you've missed that message, I encourage you to go to YouTube and check it out. So the reality is, none of us are good enough. None of us are good enough to get into heaven because we broke the law even just one time. We deserve the death punishment because we are incapable of satisfying the law. But the Bible says that God loves us so much that he sent his son into this world to die for us, John 3, 16. You know what tends to happen because we struggle with defining what is good? We overuse the statement, I'm good. We use it all the time, right? Someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm good. You know, what's going, you know, is everything all right in life? I'm good. And we use that so often that I think we've made ourselves believe that we are good people. We do good things, but there's a problem with this. We know ourselves. I know myself. I know my shortcomings. I know my struggles. I know my failings. I know what I did in my life. And we can only experience the depth of God's goodness when we truly realize the goodness that we lack. That's the only way. We come to truth and the reality that I'm not as good as I think I am. Do we truly experience the true goodness of God? We've all sinned. We all need Jesus. We all come short. And it's only when we are willing to admit that it is not all good in our life when we realize how good God really is. We have to be honest with ourselves. I have to be honest with myself. You know, God is love. And love is represented by not allowing us to do whatever we want and just getting away with it. Love is revealed by guiding us to his goodness and sacrificing for us when we go off the path. That is love. And Jesus, his final words on the cross, you know what they were? Just before he died, Jesus said, it is finished. In that moment, the king of all kings, the creator of everything is, in his desperate love for us, satisfied the law so that we may be made right, may have the opportunity to be made right in his eyes. Paul wrote, the wages of sin is death, but, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's eternal life. That's God's love for us. Here is the absolute fascinating reality of God. He never made, waited for us to make it right. He came to us. He came to us. You know, if you ever went driving on the turnpike, now it's easy. You got easy pass or you have the toll by plate. You just fly through, right? But back in the day, you actually had to have cash to go through the toll. And I was always one of those ones that didn't think about that until it was too late and I'm on the turnpike and thinking, oh no, where's a Mac machine? They don't have Mac machines along the side of the, of the turnpike. And there was this one time in particular, I remember I pulled in, I didn't even realize I was about to go through a toll booth and I'd made a right turn. I was like, oh no. 
And I pulled over and I tore my car apart along the side of the highway just before the toll booth to find the change. And can you believe it? Between pennies, nickels, and dimes I'd thrown all over the car, I found just enough change to get through that toll booth. I was sweating it out. I did not know what to do. And so often we go through these tolls and we think, how am I going to pay? I don't have enough to get through. I just can't get through these toll booths. And the same is true in our life. We look on the reality of God's standards and we think, I just can't do that. I can't add up to that. I can't get through this toll booth into heaven. But here's the beauty of it all. Jesus paid the toll. Jesus paid the toll. He's like, I, I'm your easy pass. Just go on through. But we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to admit, you know what? I'm not as good as I think I am. And by believing that, I've lost out on the reality of how good God really is. God is good. I have to admit the reality of who I am and truly repent and turn to him and run towards him. Because if I don't, I miss out on what he really does and what he can provide. You know, God is full of love. It's written in Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, before you let your mind go there, because I know where some of your minds are going, you're thinking, well, God is love. So if he's love, then I can just live life my way and then kind of make it right with him before I die and, and kind of, you know, get back to, to him, Right? I can just kind of enjoy life because God's love. Well, this is what the Bible says about that exact mind, uh, mind, mind thought. Romans 6, 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him like this in, his, in, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in, erection, in a resurrection like his. You know, some will say, I got time. I'm young. I can live life. But Paul's saying here, that's abusing grace. And you're missing out on what God has for you. And there's two big problems with that mindset. That I can just kind of go my own way, live life, and then kind of make it right with God before I die. First, the first problem is this. You got a heart issue. You got a serious heart issue. And you better believe Satan's going to use that against you. The second problem. How in the world do you know that you have time? How in the world do you know that? We have no idea how much time we have. I experienced two very sad deaths within the past couple months. One was a young father. Everything was good. Thought he had time. Young kids. And then a massive heart attack took his life. Just like that. Just a few weeks ago, I know of a 16-year-old. No health problems whatsoever. Everything was fine. And then out of the blue, the 16-year-old had a stroke, hemorrhaged, and died. 
This just all happened within the past two months. How in the world can we say, I know I have time? You don't. You're fooling yourself. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. All we have is right now. You know, I could go on about tragedies, but the truth is we need to understand that God is good and he gave us this moment. So we need to at some point stop acting like we are God and reach out to God, the creator of all, who is the giver of life. Because what he has is amazing. If you missed last week's message, I can't tell you enough. Go on YouTube and check it out. Because what God provides is amazing. But I think the question we all need to walk away with today is, what will you choose to do? What will you choose to do? You have this moment right now. Are you going to choose to continue to just kind of live life your way? Live life based upon your standards? Live life based upon what you feel is truth? Or are you going to come to the reality that God is good and we're not as good as we think we are? But then when we run to him, there we find life. There we find his goodness. It's time to repent and give it all back to him and experience him. If you need to talk about making a decision for Jesus, what this means for you, I encourage you either to put on your Connect card or online right now, you know, just put new life. And we'd love to follow up with you and talk to you about what that new life is all about, how you can experience him more. Or maybe you need to talk to somebody this morning. There'll be someone at the Engage Impact booth at the back. Go talk to somebody before you walk out of this room. Let them pray with you. Let them talk to you and experience the life that God has. Because there's no one good but God. That's what Jesus said. And you can experience his goodness today in this moment right now. But what will you choose to do? Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, we just come to you. Lord, I think so often we get focused on ourselves. We think we are good. And by doing that, we miss out on your goodness. But Lord, I pray that you help us just to be honest with, with who we really are. That when we see your standards, Lord God, that, that we will just see how we've fallen short. Not to be hard on ourselves, not to judge ourselves, but that we can just see our need for you. And that we can run towards you. And Lord, right now, I just pray for every person in this room or online. For those that, you know, have been living life their way based upon their own standards. Father God, I just pray that in this moment, they may see you. And that we may repent and turn to you. Lord, I pray for any decisions that need to be made. Lord God, that they will just be motivated towards your heart. And that they will not walk out of this place or turn off their computer before they run towards you. And Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.